Hello guys and welcome to a special edition of the JRE Review. Uh, still in review mode, but uh, I've had somebody reach out to me for a while. A couple of people actually. Um, the Bob Lazar review that I did um, got a lot of people talking and uh, people were messaging me about it and they liked it and they wanted me to do another one and I'm like, well, I just really kind of review Rogan's podcast. So once I've reviewed it and I've talked about it, I don't know what else to talk about. Okay. But then somebody reached out to me and said, look, I want to be on your podcast. I would love to talk about it. Um, I was really blown away with the Bob Lazar stuff and I, I've been following it for a while and also a big fan of Rogan's. Can I be on it? I said, yeah. So we kind of prepped a, a volume two for Bob Lazar and, um, this was the time I had for it. And the gentleman, I think, uh, from what I understand, got stuck in traffic or he's like on his way or something's happening. But I don't know. Maybe he knows a lot about aliens, but he doesn't know a lot about driving in L.A. So I'm going to crack on without him. God bless him. And uh, But thanks for the thanks for the idea anyway. And I, and I appreciate the comments. Now, the reason I still think this is a JRE review is not only because that's the name of my podcast and I have to justify it, but... Also, that I f- it the, the first time I heard about this guy was from Rogan, and I mean in in multiple times. You know, I think um, John DeLong, the dude from Blink One Eighty Two, that came on and had all the alien conspiracy stuff to talk about. He talked about Bob Lazar, and um, we get to that shortly. And then. Uh, one of his comedian buddies came on that's kind of in Aliens and talked about the documentary and told Joe to watch it, and it kind of just steamrolled from there. So, yeah, it is. Bob Lazar number two. Let's get this started. I do feel bad for Bob Lazar a little bit. You know, listening to his podcast on Rogan, he was very nervous. So nervous, in fact, he got a very bad headache. He was very stressed. Migraine, which uh, is is worse than a headache. I mean, he was stressed about it. He didn't know about what this exposure was going to do. And in a way, look at it. I mean, what do I do? I review Rogan's podcast, and, and it got so much interest that I'm doing a second one for it. Uh, wow. So people, this is probably the most interaction I've ever got comment wise on a podcast that I have done, uh, for Rogan. Uh, people are just so into it. I think they, people want to believe they, they're starting to, at least it's asking questions. It's just very, very compelling stuff. And this, there is, there's so much to it. Uh, the gentleman that was going to meet me even, um, had, kind of like an itinerary of stuff that he wanted to talk about. And uh, I went back and listened to the Bob Lazar one. I watched the documentary again. I had some extra time. So I thought maybe I could pull some things out just to interject and um, and, and go for it. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a follow-up in there. And, and again, I feel bad for him because I, Bob, I don't think, wants any of this press. He doesn't want any of this focus. And, and it's getting a ton, so much. And you know Joe has done most of this. I mean, man, once Joe gets into something, it it just blows up. I wonder if uh, how how careful he feels he needs to be about uh, uh, getting into like a new fad. 
he really better do some research before he starts, you know, uh, saying the shake weight is good or something ridiculous like that. Do some research. You know he does. You know he does. Um, Bob Lazar, early days, right? Let's talk about some of the stuff that really stood out that was scary uh, that he talked about on his podcast with Joe. Removing his college records. Crazy, right? So they were gone, expunged. He went to MIT, and then I don't know where he was supposed to have done his undergrad, but they they just disappeared from there. And the school was denying it for a long time. And I think uh, even Los Alamos, he, he worked at the labs and, and there was no record of him there. That had been taken away. And that takes a lot of work. Because remember, this was, you know, in the early 90s. I mean, it wasn't like the internet was all that developed. There were uh, connected systems. So possibly they could have hacked in and removed it. But I think some of this is like physical removal of documentation. I mean, they would have had to take out time cards and and even fiddle with the IRS to some degree. I mean, it's hard to know what the extent of that is, but very scary. And that's something that's quite compelling because he was able to line up people he went to school with and people that he worked at Los Alamos with. And then when he went back, he was able to really describe the interior of it, unless he's an unbelievable guesser. I mean, it seems like he knew where he was going and what he was doing in there. Um, oh, and he was also on the front of a magazine, the Los Alamos Labs magazine, because when he was very young, he built his car into a jet car, which is no easy feat. So you've got that, right? You've got those things. These things are very compelling. If he didn't remove that information, then who did? Because it does seem like that he worked there. Because even in that magazine, it said employee of Los Alamos. Now, could it be a coincidence? Could it be that actually he never worked there, but somehow managed to persuade somebody that he did and got on the front of that magazine and then kind of knew the ins and outs of where he was going in that building and then later made up this entire story? Well, if that's the case then he's a very well-orchestrated man. He can plan incredibly well to to high, high level. We're talking six chess moves ahead. But doing all that just for the point of making up the, the most elaborate story anyone's ever heard and not make any money from it. I mean, if somebody was that capable of doing it, and he's got to the point where he gets to be on Joe Rogan and there's this documentary and people are really starting to believe, why wouldn't he put all that effort into actually doing something amazing, which is what he did with his life, which was go into physics and, you know, jet propulsion and, and learn this stuff. Um, it seems it, it seems like a lot of work. Like, you don't see a lot of geniuses going out fabricating a story for their entire life. Like, that being your entire identity would be exhausting, and to what end? I mean, he's not even out there writing books and making money. He makes it very clear he doesn't want to make a penny out of this. That is truly fascinating to me. Truly fascinating. And the fact that people have come forward and said, yeah, I was in school with him, or he did work here at Los Alamos. I remember him being here. Crazy. Now, back to Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge is the guitarist. And one of the lead singers from Blink-182, great 90s band, it's so fun to listen to, 
big UFO guy, really into it, loves it, big fan. And uh, uh, Tra- Travis Barker, is that the drummer for Blink-182? I believe so. So he came on Rogan 2 and, and, and backed it up. He said, yeah, Tom has always been into this shit, he loves it. So Tom came on Rogan. His story was kind of hard to follow, and, and, and Joe was picking some holes in it. But he did talk about wanting to help publish Bob Lazar's autobiography, which is fascinating. I don't know if that's still going to go through or if it's still going to happen. Um, I hope it does. I would love to read it. It's so fascinating. You know, not saying necessarily that I'm believing anymore or any less, but it's very compelling and it's fun read. Get your brain going. Um, maybe there'd be time for a Bob Lazar ever. <laughs> review episode three maybe that's a bit much but if this guy ever makes it out of traffic and gets to my house uh maybe there is time for that um now there there were a few things that were pretty fascinating and and one thing that bob uh lazar has talked about in the past that we didn't talk about on a rogan's podcast this is just from me looking up some stuff is that his clearance level was called majestic it was majestic. So, you know, some are called top secret and then there's one called above top secret. Well, I guess there's one called majestic. And supposedly, you know, and it's not like the government that controls security clearances has listed this on Wikipedia, but there's some talk online amongst the conspiracy theorist people that gather this data that the majestic security clearance is 30 levels higher than the highest civilians can get so civilians security clearance is not as high as if you're in the military so there's some that only the military can get but if you work for like um lockheed martin or uh northern brummich the is it brummich yeah I, I don't know they're like defense contractors that you know build all sorts of things i think they build satellites and other technical stuff and a lot of their employees um would have security clearances for them. And I used to date somebody that worked, it was worked at both of those companies actually. And she just mostly did um, phone networking and, and some uh, data entry stuff. But but a lot of it has stuff that they need clearance for. So there's intense background checks and, and so on. So even their very highest level, which is, you know, around top secret, there are many, many levels above that. And, and that's what Bob had. Bob had that. So he could work at S4, which is near um, Area 51 and where they house supposedly these alien ships and the propulsion systems and, and the anti-gravity jibby-jobbies or whatever they were called. That's the technical term for a jibby-jobby. Uh, so he had to have that clearance. And, that, and you know, that's interesting stuff. Supposedly that clearance, Majestic, is higher than what the president has. Now, who knows how that's true? You would have thought that the president has as high a clearance as possible. But maybe since every four to eight years, they kind of rifle those guys in and out. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe you can't give them that high a clearance. So, what was Bob's main story? Well, it all got heated. He'd been working at that base, the S4, for some time, working on this like sphere that created gravity in some ways. And um, and can manipulate kind of space-time, as he described it. And then they were doing an ongoing background check with Bob. Because it's not just... Like, these background checks at that level are probably so intensive that not only do they do the background check and then, okay, you qualify, you get your, 
your clearance and then you're in. But then they basically monitor everything else you do from then on. Because what you're seeing is so high level, you can't come home and start talking to your best friend or your wife about it. Like your 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 place is tapped, your phones are tapped. You know, it kind of seems not reasonable. It's very intrusive, but it kind of seems like that would make sense. That's not so crazy. It's not like there's that many people that would be doing this kind of work that would have this clearance, and the government would certainly have enough money to surveil at high levels. You know, um, a few people. Like, America has a lot of money for this. And we spend a lot on defense, and I'm sure some of it goes here. So, they stop his background check. Why do they do that? Well, because they were tapping his phones, and Bob was constantly at the um, the, the S3 location and often would stay out there, so he wasn't home all that often. He had weird hours. His wife started to have an affair, and they were worried that that would turn into um, Bob acting out, acting funny, and uh, causing some problems. So they kind of took him away from the program. And that's when things started to, to change. He started to take his friends out to areas, I believe Wednesday nights, and they would look over, um, you know, the sky and, and see these things flying around, and he would show people. Then he got in some trouble, he got caught, and, you know, he was just trying to, show what was happening he was like holy shit this stuff is out there pay attention to it like you wouldn't believe what we're working on i mean he was young he was in his 20s you know even the most responsible 20 year old that's a lot of crazy information to to hold you know again this is all assuming that what he's saying is true but for the point of not picking it apart just for the sake of it let's assume that there is something to it and let's follow that that kind of narrative, right? Another thing that struck me about his conversation on Rogan is that he didn't mention some of the things that he talked about in the past, and I think there's a good reason for it. Now, I don't really know, okay? I'm just speculating. But there there is interviews of him in the past when he was younger. There is footage you can find online. There's other things he's written and and... Um, reporters that have talked to him and other UFO uh, websites have, you know, have snippets of things that he's said. But I guess there was a period of time where he had, when when he was first in there, that they he got to see a lot of documentation, right, with very very strange and elaborate um, information in there about where the crafts came from, how they were traded to the humans, what part of the solar system they're in, they're they're from. Um, some, some really out there stuff. Now, Bob doesn't really talk about that anymore. Okay. But he described them in pretty good detail for what he remembered at the time and definitely worth checking out and Googling and, and tracking down if you're into this sort of stuff. It's very bizarre. Okay. Very strange things. Like we've been in contact with the, what the grays basically for like 10,000 years. And in a way they've been, moving in and out of human society, kind of controlling us, you know, keeping this shit running, you know, maybe, I don't know, I'm amazed a bunch of hairless monkeys can keep the power on, that's something that I truly am amazed about, you know, I don't know, I don't know about about the document side of it, I think that, I think that Bob feels the same way, I think that he thinks that maybe they were planted 
so that he had this crazy narrative so that when he starts telling people, it made him look like a lunatic because he has no proof that any of the things in the documents are true. None at all. No idea to believe they should be other than afterwards he saw a craft and was working on top secret shit. But maybe they put that documentation down just to make him look like a fool and he's explaining later if he ever becomes a whistleblower oh this is what happens who knows what lengths you would go to if you ran a secret agency like that i mean what are you going to do let everybody make up their minds to where this shit came from i mean if they're smart physicists they're going to know it didn't come from earth or anything we can make they're going to know it came from somewhere else and they might start making up stories they're smart people they might be able to figure it out so why not give them a narrative one that will make them look silly. Like, oh, they came from this part of space and we traded spaceships with them and they've been controlling us for years. I mean, it almost discredits them just saying that information. It's hard to know. Right? But there must be a reason he didn't talk about it on Rogan. There must be a reason. He doesn't want to discredit himself. You know, he wanted to be very clever and careful about what he was saying because he knew people would jump all over this and pick him apart. You know, I mean, he's really putting himself out there. He's really exposing himself. And I I have a ton of respect for that. I really do. A ton of respect for a man that if he's really fighting for what he believes in, being able to do it and then stepping onto a platform as big as Rogan's, I mean, fair play. And I think Rogan did, did him justice. I kind of feel like Maybe if he did it again, just him and Bob. I don't want to take anything away from the the dude that made the documentary. And he's obviously worked very hard to put all this together and bring us this information and connect Bob with Joe and and encourage him in the right way. But I I think that just the one-on-one between the two of them would be really good. If we could just keep closer to that, just so there's no break in the dialogue. And allow Bob to really relax into it and, and get there. I don't know what more he has to say. Maybe he feels he said enough. Maybe he feels with Joe's podcast, now he can finally stop telling the story. Because it's been told. And now now you make up your mind. I don't know. I, I think he wants some peace, though. But, uh, wow. Inspiring stuff. And I hope to those that have messaged me and said, can you do another one, that this has done somewhat justice. Sorry I didn't have a guest on that I, when I talked to him on the phone, he had a lot of interesting things to say and he was a very excitable person. So I thought it was going to be a lot of fun. Maybe we can meet up and get connected uh, another time. But uh, yeah, give me some feedback. Message me. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience Review. It's got the same symbol as the download podcast, the black kind of 